Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. This morning I want to talk to you about praying through disappointment. And this is a message that is dear and close to my heart. You know, a few years ago, I spoke at a women's retreat, and I asked a question of the women. This was a a question that I asked uh, over and over again, but I asked it particularly at the beginning. Are you all in? Are you all in? And now in light of this last year and a half that we've lived, the last 30 days that we've watched and lived, what's going on around the world. It's a question that we still are hearing, that we still need to ask. And I would would imagine some of you maybe even had to ask that question of yourself even during this last year. Am I all in? We were looking at that in that retreat. We were looking at the story of Mary, the sister of Lazarus in John chapter 12. And if you go back and you read that story, you know, we're familiar with it. It's a story where Mary takes a bottle of very expensive perfume in the time. And she breaks it and she pours it over Jesus' feet. And it was an extravagant gift. It It was her demonstration that she was all in. But if you go on, the Lord showed this to me. Just this morning, as you go on and you read that continue, and we know this part of it, but Judas became indignant. He became very upset. And he masked it in the saying that, you know how much money that would have brought in? You know how many poor people we could have helped? And, you know, I've often, I've, I've seen that taught many times. And I asked myself, Lord, what was, who hurt Lazarus? I mean, who hurt Judas? Judas, who hurt you that, you that made you so disappointed in what she did? Who hurt you that you couldn't see? And what we all know that he was disappointed because he was stealing from, from the, the money. He saw that, you know. But the, the question long before you get to dealing with his, his lack of integrity was, who hurt you? Many years ago, the, the Lord reminded me of this. <clears throat> Um, Pastor Marvin and I were at a a pastor's leadership conference. It was probably 20 years ago, and it was in Jacksonville, Florida. We'd flown in. We met up with some good pastor friends. In fact, I'll just tell you who it was because many of you know him, Nick Goff and his wife. And we went to have lunch. I can still see where we were. I can still see what we were were, uh, were, uh, eating and drinking. We were drinking sweet tea. And um, I can see everything about the room. And I, I confess, was grumbling to Nick and his wife, Robin, and about a situation that I had encountered earlier that day. And Nick, because he had this place in my life, because I don't recommend this all the time, he looked at me and he said, and I, Chris, who hurt you? And I thought, what do you mean? And what he meant was, because I was judging a situation, I was grumbling, I was murmuring, I had no business murmuring, complaining, judging, criticizing the situation. He wanted to know who hurt me. And it, it stopped me in the tracks. I still remember it 20 years later. I still think on it. See, when we're faced with disappointment, sometimes we have to ask that question, who hurt us? 
And we've asked, oh, no, no, you don't understand. I'm frustrated. This is so disappointing. This is so, you know. No. We're going to learn today that we don't, that we, that's, not, that's not the starting point. These women that I'd asked that question, are you all in? They came up to me throughout the weekend and whispered in my ear, Chris, I'm all in. I want to be all in. Throughout the weekend, over and over again, I'm all in. My husband doesn't serve the Lord. My husband's an alcoholic, but I'm all in. The church has hurt me deeply. They've wounded me, but I'm all in. My kids have disappointed me. They don't show up for church. They don't even show up for family dinners anymore, but I'm all in. See, they didn't go home and ask the question, well, wait a minute, can I do this? What's this going to cost me? What's this going to look like? They were making a proclamation that they were all in. Beth Moore in her book, Getting Out of That Pit, says, God will be our complete deliverer or nothing at all. God wants everything you've got, uncontested priority, everything. You know, this morning I want to share from my own experience how to pray through disappointment and what the Lord has taught me, and he continues to teach me. God wants us tethered to him. You know, how, how many of you as a kid played tetherball? I loved it. It was my, I couldn't wait to get to recess, run out there, we'd get in line, and to play tetherball. And if you don't know what tetherball is, it's a pole that's been cemented usually in the ground. There's a string and there's a ball that's attached at the end of the string. And the goal is to get that ball and have it wrap around. Oh, and we, we had skills, man. We could get that thing going, hit it back and forth. There's two of you. And it was my favorite thing to do at recess. But you know, unless there's a rope and a ball tethered, it's not tetherball. You can't, you, can't, you can't do it without the rope tied to the pole and the ball. If it, you take the ball off the rope, it's something else. It's basketball, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, but it's not tetherball. In the same way, praying through our disappointments will only work if we are tethered to the only one who can bring complete deliverance, hope, and healing to our lives. Someday I might put a pole in my backyard. No, not to dance around it or anything weird like that. Don't let your mind go there. <laughs> but to remind me. Because then when I get with the Lord, sometimes that's how I feel. I feel like I've got my legs wrapped around this pole, and I'm going to stay there, and I'm going to tether myself to him. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you this morning for your great love. God, for your word. And we just ask, Father, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning through your word. Lord, use my mouth. Father, use my words. Open, us, open our hearts to hear, Lord. Give us eyes to see what you're doing in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you have heard some of this story. I think Marvin has used it as an illustration. And, um, but uh, I grew up in um, Southern California in Anaheim, just five minutes from Disneyland. Uh, back in the day when you could go to Disneyland, get this, some of you younger folks, spend the morning there, go home and have lunch, Imagine that, and it wasn't a whole fiasco to get out of the park and go home, and then go back and enjoy the rest of your day, and then sometimes even go home and have dinner, because you, you know, and go back. It wasn't a big deal. I could lay in my bed as a, as a child and as a teenager, literally, if my bed was positioned a certain spot in my little, you know, tiny room, and look out my window and see the fireworks. That's how close we were. And so I grew up in a cul-de-sac with 
you know, asphalt, the smell of asphalt, dirty feet in the summer, you know, drinking out of a hose, you know, all those things that many of us that are a little bit older remember. And so when we moved to Iowa, it was, you know, nothing more than culture shock in many ways, but especially when it came to the weather. I was a Southern California girl through and through, and God decided to, to put me in the middle of the Midwest. And there's a story that we've shared. In 2007, I think it was, we took our kids camping. We, the kids really wanted to tent camp. I said, I'll do it once. I mean, truly tent camp. I'll do it once with five kids. I'll do it. So, you know, I had prepared. I had asked people in the church. I had asked people that I'd gotten to know. I got online. I researched. I had somebody recommend a campsite about an hour away with a lake. Sounded perfect. I figured out recipes, things. I did everything. I was, I, it was planned through and through. I planned our four days to be there. We packed up everything. was nicely organized. We borrowed a big family tent. We bought this other tent to cover our food. I mean, I did everything. You get the idea. I was very well prepared. We get out there. We set up camp. We're enjoying camp. Kids are checking out the lake. Kind of noticed it's Thursday. Kind of noticed there's not a lot of people pulling in, but I thought it's only Thursday. A couple rigs pulled in. They, they kind of did their thing, hooked up. We walked down by the lake. We got up, you know, and uh, I was really looking forward. I was in a difficult season in, in a lot of ways in my life at this time. Personally, I was asking God a lot of questions. I was lonely. I was missing my family in California, friends, longtime friends, 25-year-old girlfriend relationships. I was all alone. So I had a lot of questions with the Lord, and this was going to be a special trip. I had a three-year-old, seven-year-old, 10-year-old boys, and a 12-year-old, and probably a 14-year-old girls. And I knew that my time of doing things as a family of five, all at home, all under my care control, was coming to an end <clears throat> soon. So we planned this this summer vacation. This was going to be our big summer um, weekend. And if you know me, you know that disappointment is something I've struggled with for probably since you know since I can since I can remember. But anyway, so we're there, and we come up from walking about the lake, and you know I'm noticing that every all the all the rigs are tightened up. You know the fifth wheels, the RVs, everything they're buckled in, and I'm thinking. You know, we didn't have smartphones yet, and I'm thinking, what's going on? Because there's a saying in the Midwest that says, just wait 15 minutes and the weather will change. So, and I was from California, and in the summer, the weather doesn't change. It's just a matter of how hot, you know. Um, and so uh, we get back to our campsite, and it starts to drizzle. And I think I walk, or we start to see these dark clouds coming in. I walk over to one of the people and knock on their door, and I said, you know, what's the, is the weather going to be doing something? And they go, yeah, there's a big storm coming in, 70-mile-an-hour storm straight line winds. We're like, okay. So we decide, um, you know, we better kind of buckle up the, the, the camp and get and go home for the night. And so we get the kids in the car. We had two cars. We no sooner get, you know, you have to go this big loop in a campground. We no sooner get to the end and it's pouring. We better, oh, we better go back and buckle up some more. We get back there. No sooner had Marvin and I got out of the car that the straight line winds. And if you've lived in the Midwest and you know what I'm talking about, it's, it's, it's wind that branches are flying, things are flying everywhere, and it's pouring. And you've all heard this, this story, or some of you heard, remember the story that one of our kids cried out, oh, God, please save my mom and dad, but take me, you know, sitting in the car. I won't say who it was, but he was seven at the time, number two boy, so you can kind of put that together, who that is. But 
that it ripped open our brand new tent. It destroyed some of, our, some of our other things. We got in the car. We drove home. Marvin and I were soaked head to toe, socks, every, every article of clothing. We fed our kids. We got in bed. And it was a perfect storm for me to say, I'm so disappointed. I'm disappointed that nobody told us in the church or nobody our friends told us that there was going to be this storm. I'm disappointed that my husband didn't, didn't do more research. I did all this work. I'm disappointed, God. I just wanted four days with my kids. It's what we could afford. It's what we could do. But that's how disappointment is. We've done everything we can, and the storm still comes. But if I would have given in to disappointment that day, which I had done many times before that, anybody? Say, I'm not going. I'm not going. And you, you dig in. And you know, you're screaming. It's like, oh, gosh, I really, I really know I need to go do this. But you're so upset. You're so disappointed. Whatever the word is, frustrated. I would have missed something beautiful that God was preparing for me to walk through. See, I, was, I, I already mentioned I was in the middle of wrestling with God over disappointments. I had been working at creating time with the Lord to sort through it. You know, I was missing my family. I was lonely. And to add to it, I was, I was praying through a, a situation where I was looking for my biological dad at the time. I knew him. I knew of him. Um, but I hadn't heard from him in a long time. And I was just having this conviction, this desire for him to meet my kids. He had met my girls when they were babies, before the boys were born. But he hadn't seen them since then. And if I hadn't been willing to get up the next morning, and it, praise God, there were five little faces looking at me going, not knowing it, but their faces were saying, Mom, I know you're disappointed, but can, you, can, you, can we go back? You know, they didn't know. They wanted to go back. And it was those five faces looking at me saying they wanted to go back. They wanted to get out those fishing poles. They wanted to have their camping trip that I got up and I went back. But it was at that campsite, it was at that, during that camping trip, while I was sitting by the campfire, my kids were all enjoying, I was enjoying the beautiful scenery of the lake, all of it, that I got a call sitting there, and, and it was the next week, literally, I was on a plane to L.A. to see my dad. And I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have got that call had I stayed home in the disappointment but I believe that God was showing me something, that God was teaching me something. See, that's not the end of the story, and that isn't even the beginning of the story. My dad would pass away six months later. All my hopes and dreams of my kids ever meeting my father was gone. But you know, in that expectation, in that hope, God met me so beautifully, and Marvin was in the middle of teaching on heaven at the time. He was in this fantastic series. And I questioned, Lord, is my dad in heaven? You know, he, he talked about the Lord. He spent most of his life in prison. I knew he heard the gospel. He was a heroin addict his entire adult life. That's all he knew. But I knew that, that I just needed to know. I just wondered. And it was during one of Marvin's messages as I sat on the front row that the Lord spoke to my heart. And it was, so, I can't even remember how Marvin said it or what he said, but it was like the Lord showed me that my dad was in heaven, that my dad had accepted him as Savior, that my dad had heard the message, and that I would see him one day again, and so would my children. And you know, as I kind of read back through this and as I thought about this story, since these events, 
God is still showing me. He's still revealing to me his plan. He's, you know, we sang that this morning. He's not done with my story. He's still writing my story. My disappointment over, over my children, meeting this man who was riddled with addiction long before I was ever known. I used to have the question, God, why did you choose me to be born to someone like that? Why? Why, God? I don't ask that question anymore. I don't know the answer, but it doesn't matter anymore. What kind of disappointment are you walking through today? Disappointment is a result of someone or something that has failed to fulfill one's hopes or expectations. I'm going to say that again. Disappointment is a result of someone or something that has fulfilled to fulfill one's hopes or expectation. Stephen Arterburn, founder of New Life Ministries and, and Christian Counseling Talk Show says, and I quote, the great epidemic of the church today is unresolved grief. All of us have experienced a series of losses, heartbreaks, and disappointments, and we haven't slowed down enough to sort through them. See, I was sitting in Iowa all alone. I didn't have my, you know, my three best girlfriends around to keep me busy and occupied and distracted. I didn't have, you know, my mom and my dad and my, and I have a stepfather, by the way. So when, I say, when I say dad, I'm referring to him. He, uh, he has demonstrated Christ's love because he accepted me at a very young age as his own. So I didn't have them to lean on. I was alone. God set aside some time for me to resolve these issues in my life. And I want to ask you some questions. What has broken your heart? I can tell you some things that have broken my heart just in the last week. I don't have to go very far. What has cost, what has your call cost you? I can tell you what our calls cost us. I just, even just this last week, I got an email because I follow, I'm a account, you know, Zillow, you, you follow that. I got an email. They thought they would nicely remind me that the house we sold before we moved to Lodi had gone up in value, like $70,000. And when we sold it, we had to sell it at a loss because we could no longer continue making two payments. I could have said, wow, Lord, you really failed me on that one. I'm really disappointed. But I'd rather be here in the middle of Christ's will, in the middle of his plan for my life, than with the $70,000 more equity sitting in a home. What are you walking around with that nobody knows about? Is it your kids, your marriage, your finances, your health? Is the career you always dreamed of just eluded you? Do you feel as though you've wasted time and now it's too late? Has an illness or just getting older depleted of you, of your strength, and you never imagined these years this way? Maybe it was a mistake you made that you won't let yourself off the hook for. I could personally answer all these questions for you right now. I could tell you that disappointment has, if you, you know, many of you would say, well, if you just live life, you're going to fall into that. But God has provided, this is, this is life. The victory is ours. Christ, the victory's been won. We know where, our, we, know where we stand, but that's where, that's what, and that's what we need to do, base our life on. 
But God didn't say the battles would go away. Has life changed and it's just not what you had expected or hoped? Maybe it's just life has not gone the way you had planned. We must create some time and space to sort things out with the Lord. The enemy was camping on the assumption that in the midst of my disappointment that day, that I would forget who I was. And if we forget who we are, if we forget who we are, then, we, then, then he does take advantage of those opportunities. He does whisper to me on Tuesday when I see that MLC, was God really with you? In John 10.10, many of us are familiar with this verse, and I want to kind of take a little detour here in in what I have to share. It says, the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. I came so that everyone must, would have life and have it in the fullest. That's a promise. That's a promise that we have. We have a prayer team here at the church, as many of you know. In this last year, I took a class on intercession, and I still feel like I'm learning. I still feel like I'm gaining an understanding of what God is saying. And I, I grew up, I've grown up since I was a teenager going to church, and I have to be honest with you. I always thought, like people have said, the intercessors are the little old ladies that meet in the back room, and you hear these grunts and these noises and these <laughs> coming from that room, and they're the intercessors. You know, the rest of us are called to pray, but they're, you know, that's, that's intercession, you know, that they just sit back there and pray. But that's, that's not what it, we're all called. Now, there's different types of intercession, but we're all called to be an intercessor. And most of the time, our disappointments result, are a result of something that's happened with another person. Most of the time, the disappointments that stay, that don't just kind of like go away as like Teflon, but that really, and you know what? Disappointment, hmm, hmm. Disappointment is like a prerequisite to bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, offense. I think, uh, I think Deanne Graves shared this on her Facebook page, and um, a pastor of Chino Hills had shared, and I think she shared his, but Again, in Ephesians, he wrote, this is a Christian. Getting rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma. If we don't deal with our disappointments, they will lead to bitterness, rage, anger, resentment, all all of these things. And an intercessor is, there's two opposing things that are going on here, as we see in John 10. John 10.10, the thief is coming to steal, kill, rob you. And, you know, that's just not just a big general statement. That's he's come to steal me of my, of my joy. He's come to steal me of my purpose. He's come to steal me of my value, to rob me, to kill me. 
And he, God came that I would have life and have it to his fullest. Two opposing, two opposing things are going on here. So an, an intercessed, interceding, praying, the act of intervening on behalf of another, praying. So when you're disappointed, pray. Is our mandate, you know, we hear that word a lot lately. But as a believer, it's our mandate to resist one and partner with the other. So when you're interceding, you're setting up appointments. I'm standing. I'm going to intercede for Dave, I mean for Rick. And Dave and I are going to intercede and we're going to pray. We're building a wall. We're building a wall of protection. We're setting up an appointment. We're praying that he's going to believe, that God's going to heal, that God's going to do. Dave and I are believing together. We're interceding. That's what you're doing. You know, Jesus is sitting at the edge of his seat. Miguel's praying. God isn't going, oh, hey, it's just Miguel. No, he's at the edge of his seat waiting to hear what Miguel has to say. That's how much Jesus loves you. That's how much he wants to hear from you. That's how much when you're disappointed, when you're frustrated, you run to Jesus. You don't run to somebody else. You know what? <laughs> Think about how many things would go away in our life, how many situations would go away if when we're frustrated, seriously, if we ran to the Lord. You know, you have it, you know, in the boundaries, they teach us, you have a yard. You know what? We have a saying in my house, is that in your yard? Marvin, I've started this. Is that in my yard? Is that my, am I really, I can be frustrated, but I, that, no, I don't, I really can't. It's not mine to be frustrated about. In uh, Ephesians six twelve, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Read that over and over again. You know, when something happens, when, and usually when you're disappointed, it's somebody close to you. It's a loved one. It's somebody that, you know, you had expectations. You had hopes. You had dreams. But you know what? I want to challenge you. Reframe those disappointments. You're disappointed. That didn't turn out in your life the way you'd hoped. Reframe it. Matthew, partner with God's plan. Matthew 6, 9 through 10 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That John 10, 10 is us resisting and partnering. And it's all done in prayer. A life of prayer looks like Ephesians 6.18. And pray in the spirit on what? All occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Always keep on praying. That's in the word. That's not me. We have a, we, you have a situation. Let's just pray. Well, no, I just want to talk about it. Well, sometimes a, a trustworthy, confidant, you can talk about it, but that person better lead you back to, let's just pray. Not, oh, yeah, man, that's, they need to get, they need to figure that out. They need to get a life. Yeah, and did you see what they were wearing, by the way? Or did you see this? Or did you see that? You know, I wonder if that's because they did this or they did that. Wow, what hurt you? Turn with me if you're 1 Timothy 2. This is probably my favorite. We're called to pray. 
First thing we are called to do in all situations. First Timothy 2, verses 1 and 3. I love this in the message. In fact, I think I'm going to put this somewhere where I can daily read it. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how. For everyone you know. Pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well. So we can be quietly about our business of living simply in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior God wants us to live. How profound that is for today. You want answers for what we're going through today. There it is. Pray. It's not the only thing we do, but it has to be the first thing we do. In Isaiah 59, and I love, I love this whole passage, but you get to verse 16, and God is saying, he says, and I printed off a version, and I meant to print off a different version that uses the word wondered, but it says in 59, 16, I'm going to go back to verse 15. It says, yes, truth is missing. Don't we feel like that today in the culture and the climate and and what we're living? And he who turns away from evil makes himself a prey. Now the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. And it's verse 16. He saw that there was no man and was, another version uses, it says amazed in what I wrote, out but another version uses wondered and he wondered that there was no man no one to intercede on behalf of truth and right god wondered he was a he, he was stunned he was appalled that there was no one to stand in the gap intercession prayer is, our, is the key to disappointment. And if you are deeply disappointed today, then you're going to be spending a lot of time interceding, a lot of time praying. You know, um, I know the women, the women are going to be getting back together on Tuesday mornings with Donna Lavelle, Jesus Calling, and that's their focus is prayer. And the women are going to meet on Tuesday nights as well, whatever time works best for you. And they're going to they're going to spend a lot of focus on prayer as well. But one of the books that, uh, as we met and discussed and prayed, is, that was talked about was The Beginner's Guide to Intercession by Dutch Sheets. And I absolutely love what he says. He says here that intercession doesn't come first. He talks about Abraham and that he was a friend of God. And he said he wasn't God's friend because he was an intercessor. He was an intercessor because he was God's friend. It kind of feels like a play on words. But your intercession comes. Your prayers come. You can't just say, I just pray. I I don't have time to read the word. You're not going to pray for very long. You're not going to pray for with much commitment or conviction. They go hand in hand. 
They go, the, the prayer comes out of your relationship that you've spent time. Prayer came out of a relationship for me to pray over these situations, these disappointments, because I had spent time in the word. I could see what God was saying. I could see what I was missing. I could see that I was living and not in, in Christ, that I was living in my own thinking, my own futile thinking. And when I saw that, it drove me to pray. And then situations would arise, and I would want to be disappointed, and I would want to be upset. I would want to, you know, and I would have to go to my knees and say, God, what's hurt me? What's disappointing me? What's, what does your word say about this? Jesus is an intercessor. It says in Romans 8, 34, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. It is the key to disappointment. It is, this, it is the key. If you're not praying, it's one of four things is happening. You don't realize it's your role. You didn't understand that that's what you're supposed to be doing. I'm sorry this bums you out, but we don't, get, we don't have a place to gripe and complain and murmur. You think you can do it. The second thing is you think you can do it in your own strength. Third is you don't believe God is listening or even cares or will respond. Or fourth, you are not desperate enough yet by exhausting all other options. The Israelites didn't understand God's role in this. In Psalms 106, it said, The people refused to enter the, ple the pleasant land, for they wouldn't believe his promises to care for them. Instead, they grumbled in their tents and refused to obey the Lord. In her book, Your Powerful Prayer, Susie Larson states, I quote, We have access to the throne room of heaven of Jesus. We get to enjoy his presence. We get to draw on his resources. We get to trust in his love. We get to count on his promises. And we are invited to pray in agreement with the prayers he's already praying for us. You can just open up the Bible and begin praying the prayers that, that have, he's already prayed for us. This is what I want to do in closing, and um, I have printed these out because when I've shared this before, I've had, had people ask me, these they wanted these questions. So I will leave them on the front row if you, if you want a copy of these to gladly take. But I want to ask you three questions about disappointment. Are my disappointments lying to me? All disappointments will lie to us unless we discern between the truth and a lie. We must create some time, some space to sort through these things. And it takes time. Prayer takes time. But I promise you this. If you start to develop a daily prayer routine, you don't have to get on your knees physically. You don't have to lay prostrate. You don't have to have eloquent words. You just create some space. I have some space daily that I spend with the Lord. Do you know what? I, get, I keep getting up earlier and earlier and earlier because I so long to be in that place that nothing else matters. And since I've gone back to a, a, an outside job, I, I have to be on the clock by a certain time now. And I get up earlier and earlier, not because I'm trying to prove anything or even share that as any kind of spiritual. I'm not that. This has taken me a long time to develop over the years. But it's, I long for it. It's the most important thing I do of the day. 
It's almost like not getting a glass of water when you're dying of thirst. I have to find out what my disappointments are saying, what's true and what's not true. What is this disappointment saying to me? And these, these, these things that I'm sharing with you do come from Susie Larson's book, Fully Alive. What is the disappointment saying about me that's not true? What is the disappointment saying about God that is not true? Going back to my camping trip, I could have easily blamed the Lord. Lord, why didn't you protect me? I could, and since that camping trip, I can give you a dozen, maybe you know, more than I can count. God, why were you there? Were you there? I can look back at that thing and think, God was there. I got to go see my father in L.A., Marvin and I did. He lived in Long Beach. He lived two blocks from a beautiful part of the ocean. And he, we took him down, and we bought him dinner. He says, man, I, ha- I haven't been down here in years. He lived two blocks from it in an, an estate kind of run apartment complex. But I got to sit there and watch my father eat a meal. He got most of his meals at a senior, set, a senior center that gave free meals. He got two meals a day. And it was God's gift to me. I can look back and say, God, you were there. You were there. When I got the phone call on January 8th, 2008, saying that, my, that this was the L.A. County Coroner's Office, and I'm looking for a Christine Ann Sutton, which was my maiden name. Am I, can you, you know, can you, I'm trying to find her. I'm trying to locate her. I'm in Iowa. I knew. But see, that night, it was Wednesday night. I was supposed to be at church with my family. My kids all went to church. My husband's at church. I'm home alone. God knew. I said, that, this is a sheep. Well, we're, we're sorry to tell you that James Lambert is deceased. He was found alone in his, in his apartment. And I'm sorry, miss, to tell you this, but you are the only, they have sealed the apartment off. They've removed his body. And you are the only one, because you're his only known relative, that can come and take care of his business. In other words, I was the only one that could break the seal from the the sheriff's office on the door. But God was with me. I went. He was with me. He did have a brother that lived in the area, and I was able to meet with him and He was able to share with me some of my dad's story that I would have never probably gotten maybe for years. But God saw to it that I heard where my dad's pain came from. Growing up in the 50s in Venice Beach, California, when drugs were just rampant, his dad had left. Nowhere in his life. Two older brothers moved out of the house. Two younger brothers that is my grandmother, his mom, bless her heart, but didn't know better. Shipped them off to, to like a Catholic orphanage at the time. Because she was working two jobs just to make ends meet. And my dad was in the middle, left home alone, influenced by neighbors and the drugs and the marijuana, things that were just pouring in. And that was part of his story. It brought me freedom. So what are your disappointments saying about you that are true? What are they saying about God that's not true? Number two, am I white-knuckling something God wants me to let go of? Is there just something, is there just something that you're holding on to? Man, you want, you want to be so right in this situation, but it's turned into an offense. It's turned into bitterness. People can't even hardly talk to you about it. We need to make more of what Jesus has done for us than what others have done to us. What Jesus has done for us rather than what someone else has done to us. You know that person that you just, oh, they just get under your skin? We all have them. You know, God loves them, too. 
And he wants you to be a conduit of that love. You know, we've had family members, immediate family members, say to Marvin and I, as they look at our situation, you know, uh, many of you know we live in a really tiny house now. And that's why the enemy thought, oh, I'm going to show her this, this increase in value of her 3,500 square foot beautiful dream home that she had. And then look where you're living now. But I love where I'm living now because I'm right in the middle of where God has me. Family members have said to us, what did you guys do? Man, it's like nothing is going right. And I want, you know, you want to get insulted by that. You want to be offended. You want to be disappointed. But I just said, you know what, Lord, this, this was a few years ago. I said, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to live my life in hopes that eventually they'll see the goodness of God was worth it. It was all worth it. That's what I want on my, my cake. If, if I pass away before some of you guys, that's what I want on my, my gravesite. It was worth it. It was all worth it. Have I disengaged my faith and surrendered? That's, this is the third thing, my circumstances. We all get tired of the daily grind. We all get weary. We all will say, oh, I just need a chance to let down. And that is why the Bible tells us not to grow weary. You have lost your sense of expe- ex- expectancy and you have lost hold of the promises. And that's where prayer comes in. That's where that daily prayer, Hebrews 12 says, 12, 12, and 13. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Everybody, even if you've lost hope in it, is watching. They're watching you. Your children How are you handling that disappointing situation? How are you handling them, ouch, when they come to you? Do they see the love of Christ? I'm not talking about being a doormat, rolling over and letting them. I'm talking about showing true forgiveness and demonstrating, you know, let's pray. Let's talk about this. Take a new grip, it says, on a new and fresh promise of God. The word of God is active and living. It's not old news. It's now news. It's the best news. And if you're weary, there's no shame or no condemnation. Psalms 34, 5 says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. That's what I want. That's what I want. I see that in many, many, most of you. The radiant of Christ in your life. We've been together, Marvin and I have been here in Lodi for, for five years, and I see that. I've heard your stories, and you still come in with the radiant, the love of Christ. Find, if you're disappointed today, if life has disappointed you, find a promise that matches your circumstances in the word. Take a new grip. If God has spoken a promise or a truth over your life, remind yourself to go back to that place. And if you've disengaged, re-engaged, there's a promise with your name on it. Get a fresh vision for the promises of God over your life. And I'll just conclude with this. You know, for years the enemy lied to me and said, the promises of God, the good things of this life, they're for Rick. They're for Nikki. They're for Sherry. They're for everybody else. They're not for you. You were born kind of just like, oh, well, there's, we'll just send that one along. But that's not the truth. That's not what the word tells me. That's not what I know today. I'm a child of the living God. I am fully his. I'm in Christ. There's, there's disappointments in my life, believe me. 
There's been, there, I can, this last week, there were disappointments. But I have to reframe them. My son getting engaged halfway across the country, that was disappointing, not because he got engaged, but because I couldn't be there. But I could sit and wallow and be bitter and be passive-aggressive towards him, like, you know, or whatever. But I choose not to. I take a moment, reframe the situation. Thank God he's alive. Three times he was in Afghanistan. He does not have a scar on his physical body. Emotionally, I'm sure there's some things he's going to have to walk through. But God's brought him a girl. He met her at church camp 10 years ago. She's going to be a cop. She doesn't mess around. She's sweet. But do you see what God's doing when this guy needs to talk through things? She's going to be a good listener, I think. She already is. She's already told him before they were engaged. I want you to get counseling. She already sees maybe some things that we can't see. God, I can accept God's doing that. Maybe your kid's in a faraway place. Maybe your kid's a distant from the Lord. Don't give up hope. Thank God they're over there and you're over here and God's going to work in their life. He's not forgotten about you. He's not left you. The promises are still yours. Amen? I've gone way over time today. Marvin's going Marvin's to kill me because we want to be very respectful of the next church. He won't kill me. But so we have to kind of get out of the building <laughs> as soon as I say amen. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> So anyways, thank you today, guys. This is my, this is, this is my life message, and this is a message that I, I will continue to allow the Lord to speak into my life. I was the queen of unfulfilled expectation and disappointment, and uh, God has set me free and continues to set me free. I love you. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. It's the best. It's the most powerful thing, God, out there. And if you're struggling today with finances, I sent somebody struggling with finances, and they're wondering, God, are you there? Can you help? He's going to help. I pray this week, even today, they would see the abundance, the graciousness, the goodness of God. God is at work. Don't give up. He's at work. I don't care how long you've been praying or believing or hoping. Hang on to that promise. Walk in the truth of who you are. You are loved. I am loved. It will be worth it. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.